All right. Well, last week uh, was super fun. Did you guys enjoy that? Was that cool? Just to kind of get the big picture, right? I always love the uh, State of the Union, as it is, um, for, for Christ Center. Isn't it great to just, you know, kind of get the 30,000-foot the view and look at, you know, how we're engaging and, and why we do things the way that we're doing and what God has called us to do. And we mentioned Isaiah 61 quite a bit because Isaiah 61 um, is a is a mandate for us as a church. Now, I don't think we're honestly unique in that. I think the entire Bride of Christ is called to Isaiah 61. But we do at Christ Center use Isaiah 61, though very specifically, as the, the framework for, for, for where we see ourselves in the world and how we... Um, how we interact and how we assimilate and how we serve and how we're strategic. And so Isaiah 61 is, is dear to our heart, as you, as you have probably noticed, because I keep saying it. Um, but, uh, but we looked big picture on Isaiah 61. We looked at, you know, as we're doing all of these different things, we're seeking to rebuild the cities and the desolations, um, the, what is it, that we would rebuild the old ruins, raise up former desolations, and repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. The kingdom of heaven, when it comes, we end up moving from, from ashes to beauty, moving from lost to found, moving from poor to extraordinarily abundant blessed in Christ, and we move from that, we become oaks of righteousness, and then we rebuild the cities. What an amazing mandate. It's awesome. And we're called to that. But, 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 but we don't just do that in an instant, do we? There's something that happens that causes us to be able to move from, uh, I once was lost, but now I'm found, to becoming an oak of righteousness and rebuilding the city. There, that's more than just in the blink of an eye. That is, a, that is actually a process. Say process. I, I really want you to come away tonight thinking of uh, tonight. Yes, it's going to be a very, very long sermon. Um, now, I want you to come away today. If, if you remember, I want you to hold on to a couple things. There's two words I want you to hold on to, and that's process and exchange. So go ahead, say it for me. You got it. You guys are doing so good. Everybody has an A so far. I used to hate it when the teacher would say that on the first day of school, because I always knew, like, man, that ain't going to last. You guys would be like, hey, guys, welcome back. Everybody has an A. And then it's yours to keep. And I'm like, and that's where we go wrong. Anyway, you've all got an A. <laughs> so what are we looking at? We're looking at this process. So I, I want to I talk to you about Isaiah 61, and, and I want to I come in from the big picture side, like what we shared last week, and I want to bring it in and say, okay, where, where, how does that work in us? How, how does that work for us as individuals and as a tribe? You know, this is a, this is a unique and beautiful tribe, a part of the family of God. There's one church. It's a family of God, but there's a lot of tribes within that church, isn't it? Like I noticed you're here in Junction City today. You're not in Vanita right now. I pointed over here to Springfield. You're not in Vanita. You're not in Springfield. Um, you're, you're right here. Why? Because God has called you to be a part of this tribe. You're, you're, so you have your people that you know, that you connect with, that you see each week. It's not this ethereal sort of like, oh yeah, man, we're all like in it together. It's sort of a universal kind of thing. Have you noticed that it's really hard to be confronted and grow by a universal kind of thing, but it's a lot easier to be confronted and grow and be loved when you actually see each other and you're like, hi, I know you and I noticed you weren't here last week or I saw you, <laughs> I saw where you were last night and you're like, oh, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? Than that universal like, we're all together, man, right? 
Are you guys with me? A couple of you are squirming. You're like, you saw me yesterday. Um, so, so something happens within that. There's a process that happens where this, where we move from where, where it starts as, uh, where we started to where we actually are rebuilding cities. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the kind of tribe that you're in and how we apply that. And, um, and we're going to use Isaiah 61 because Isaiah 61 really, really encapsulates it very well. So here we go. Um, Let's just read through it together, and, uh, and we'll talk as we go. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations." And then I just want to go, yeah. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God. And you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs." So as we look through this, you start to notice there's some interesting, there's some interesting exchange that's happening here. Say that word again, exchange. What, what he's saying is you're going to get joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. When, when, when you were poor, then Jesus came with good news. So that's where we begin. So let me just, let me touch on that for just one moment. And, and here's what I want, Here's what I'm going to do. First, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about process, and then I want to drill down on exchange, okay? So first of all, we, we began with Jesus shows up, he opens the scroll up, as you guys recall, and he announces to them, he reads this, it's, this is out of Isaiah 61, he reads it in Isaiah 61, and then he closes the scroll and he says, today these things have been fulfilled in your hearing. It was the coming of the kingdom. And so Jesus um, announces I'm here. These scriptures are speaking of me. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus, to, uh, because the Lord has anointed me, to preach good tidings to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. And he, and he then lists everything that's going on. How many of you guys know that Jesus is not on the earth anymore? And before he left, he said something interesting. He said, well, all during, all during his ministry, he said, I'm the light of the world. And then when he left, he said, you are the light of the world. And he also said this, I'm going to the Father. I've done my part of this job. I've done my part of Isaiah 61. Uh, I'm going to the Father. But you, y'all, will do greater things than I do. How unbelievable is that? That's so amazing. Most humble, amazing. Oh my goodness. There's nobody more humble and amazing than Jesus, is there? Right? And so he's coming in and he's saying, I did my part of the job. Now I'm going to pass it on to you guys and you're going to do more than I ever did. Now, one way that we do that is by virtue of the fact that there's billions of us and there was just one of Jesus. Now there's billions of little Jesuses running around. That's what we're supposed to be like. We're to incarnate Jesus. We actually carry Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. And when you show up and represent the kingdom, you are representing Jesus. 
So there's billions of little Jesus representers representing him. Are you guys with me on this? Do you want me to say represent one more time? There you go. So, so Jesus shows up, and we're all in the kingdom because of this, because Jesus shows up, and he brings good tidings and preaches them to the poor. Now, I love this quote, the gospel, which means good news, the good tidings, okay? So when you see good tidings, that's gospel. The good tidings that Jesus brought is that you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Isn't that great news? Is everybody encouraged? Yeah, that sounds rough, doesn't it? But do you know why that's so encouraging is because of the, the following part of it. Yet, so the good news, the good tidings are you're more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, and yet you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope because Jesus lived and died in your place. Sec, uh, Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So suddenly, suddenly, and this is what's so amazing and dynamic, and, I, and may the Lord help us to just have this explode in our hearts and heads today. Because Jesus did what he did, the good news is that we were once sinful, we've been born again, but we are still more flawed than we ever dared believe. Yeah, you guys are like, how is this encouraging? The reason why this is good news is because Christ is being formed in each of us. And because Jesus already made us the righteousness of God in Christ, we can start admitting that we still are more flawed than we ever dared believe. You're still not rejoicing it, are you? Don't worry, I'll unpack this. And by the end of this, I think you're going to be encouraged by this. Now, I didn't say you're going to stay flawed. So that should encourage you a little bit. But if Jesus actually loves us, let me read it again. If you and I are more accepted in love than we ever dared hope, because Jesus died in our place. He lived and died in our place. So God made him to be sin who had no sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What's the point here? The point is that Christ Jesus has completely reconciled us back to the Father. And so you can't do anything to add to that. Nor can you do anything bad enough to take away from that. Your standing in righteousness is because of what Christ did. And that cannot be changed. That's huge. You used to be a sinner, you died with Christ and you were born again and now you're a saint. Are you with me? You used to have a sin nature, you don't have a sin nature anymore. However, and this is the part where this gets to be good news, however, you still have the ability to sin. Did you notice that? Did anybody notice they still have the ability to sin? How come no one is raising their hand? Okay. I, I noticed very quickly that I still have the ability to sin. With my words per minute, it is a daily repentance factory. <laughs> Those that know me are like, oh yeah. Okay, here's the point that I'm making. You see, when we were born again, we died with Christ and we were resurrected as saints. 
We used to have a propensity to sin and selfishness. We now have a propensity to love and selflessness. So in other words, what I'm saying is we used to have a bent towards sin. Now we have a bent towards righteousness. Do you guys get that? Okay. Now, however, there still exists a framework or a warp, as you will, in our minds and in our habits and in our family line that was shaped by the world, shaped by, the, by my family, and shaped by sin. And that is just simply true, isn't it? Can you accept that? Can you accept that the framework, can you accept that the warp, so like if you're shaping something, right, the warp, we are all a little warped still in our mind. And that that shift that happens, so, so we're all saints, you guys have got this. We do not have a sin nature anymore. We don't have a bent towards sin. But the framework that we have come from has a warp to it. And until that is straightened, transformation is needed. Are you with me? So though we are in Christ, though we are without a sin nature, though we are actually counted as the righteousness of Christ, there's still a process, say process, that's needed. And that process is sanctification. See, that's the, the sanctification process is, is simply this. You and I are becoming, say becoming, we're becoming like Christ. That's what the process is. We're becoming like Christ. When we look at Isaiah 61, I want you to see this in here. What we're looking at is a process that Christ is bringing. And what is he doing? He's making an exchange here where we're taking one thing and we're exchanging it for something else. Now, I have noticed that in order for me to make an exchange, we both need to agree on what we're looking at. So let's just say that I'm going to, I don't know, buy this guitar from Paul. There's a couple things that are important. Number one, he has to admit that it's a guitar, right? And I have to admit, and, we, and so we both have to agree it's a guitar and admit it's a guitar and understand it's a guitar. And then we have to look at whatever we're using. We're going to go with money. And he's going to want to look at my money and he's going to want to make sure it's actual real money. So then we both agree. Oh, this is what this is. This is what this is. I will exchange this money for that guitar. Now, here's what doesn't work. If I come to him and I say, I want to make the exchange, but he doesn't believe he actually has a guitar to sell me, he's not going to exchange that with me. Why? Because he's not admitting he has anything to sell me. Are you with me? This is so simple, I'm actually making it confusing for myself. What was the point? No. Um, we both have to agree on what they are in order to make the exchange. And yet when we come to the Lord as believers, a challenge for us oftentimes is that we think that we're supposed to get to where he says we're supposed to get. In other words, in this one, let's go beauty for ashes. I know that the Lord wants to bring me beauty, but what does he exchange for beauty? My ashes. 
So how do I get beauty from the Lord? I say, Lord, I have, I have ashes. And he says, well, let me exchange beauty for that. But what happens if I won't admit that I have ashes? There's no exchange. Because I'm like, I don't have any ashes. This is gorgeous. This is, this is just, this is how God made me and it's just beautiful. And then people are going, eh. <laughs> I've spent time with you and not everything about you is beautiful, Joshua. Are you with me? Now this is so simple, guys. This is so simple. But this is an area that I have seen and probably a place of some of the greatest destruction in all of our lives is mis misunderstanding how this works is misunderstanding that the sanctification process, the way that God takes us from beauty to ashes, is actually a process. The way that he brings us from, from blessed are the poor, here's the good tidings to the poor. In other words, going from a sinner to becoming an oak of righteousness that's rebuilding cities is a process. It's not a one step. It's not one step. And many of us have understood it to be one step, or at very least, maybe like a 12-week Bible study. You know, we'll at least give it a 12-week Bible study. We're like, 12-week Bible study, I'm good to go. I'll rebuild some cities. But the reality is, is that God has called us to go through a process of exchanging these things. And, the, and, the, and there's a couple things I want you to leave with today is, is one, God is not surprised or frustrated that it's taking quite some time to form Christ in you. In fact, let, let me show you a scripture. Um, let me show you this scripture. Nope, that's not a scripture. <laughs> Here we go. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So did you catch this? When is it completed? Let that sink in. He is faithful to complete the good work that he began in each of you until the day of Christ Jesus. Your process with the Lord of forming Christ in you is going to take the entire time that you're on this earth until Christ comes. Now, let, let this sink in. That means that if some of us have been trying essentially to push through and prove to ourselves and others that we've arrived, number one, the emperor is wearing no clothes. No one thinks you've arrived. <laughs> How many of you are comforted? <laughs> but more importantly, all jokes aside... God doesn't expect that you have, a, have arrived. God isn't looking at you and saying, why are you still in process? 
Why, why, are you why, are you still why do you still have brokenness in your life? Why are you still having a hard time managing this area? Why are you in need of a Savior? He doesn't look at you and say that. He is faithfully working with you to complete forming Christ in you. Now, if we know that the workmanship of God is to form Christ in us, it suddenly changes the whole environment, the whole culture of how we react one with each other, the way that we respond when, when something ugly comes up. We don't have to kick you out of the camp because you're making us look bad, but we also don't pretend like it's not happening. Suddenly there's an invitation. So earlier I said to you, the gospel says you're more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. So the good news is you, you are born again, so you're no longer sinful. Jesus took care of that. However, there's still that warp. There's still that flawed area. There's still that work that's happening where your old framework is being replaced with a new framework. There's a scripture for that. He talks about, um, oh, that's another one that just talks about waiting. Um, Good night. I promise I actually prepared. <laughs> I think I actually forgot to put this scripture in here. I'm just going to read it to you guys. Um, it's in uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, do, I'm sorry, just, I'm just going to do verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, what is it? There's a pattern of this world. There's a, there's a warp of this world. There's a way that this world has trained us to think. There's a certain way that we're thinking. And we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through exchanging one thing for another in order to be like Christ. And it's going to take our whole life as he does it. Now, does that mean that, we're, that we don't see lots of fruit? We do see lots of fruit. In fact, what that means is suddenly it becomes good news when, when I realize that there's something in me that doesn't match up with Jesus. It, becomes, it actually becomes good news instead of devastating news. Why? Because I live in an environment where we are doing Isaiah 61 and everyone around me knows that I'm committed and working with Jesus to see him complete the good work in me that Christ would be formed. So when you come to me and say, Joshua, I just want to ask you something. Like, that hit me funny. And, and, it's, and it's, I want to challenge you about this. Like, because I already know you want Christ formed in you. So I actually want to ask you, like, are you all right? Like, that seemed super passive aggressive last time I talked to you. And so what's going on? And you know what? Well, hopefully I'll respond well. But you can count on nine times out of 10, seven out of 10, four out of 10. No, I'm just kidding. Um, nine times out of 10, I will respond well, honestly, because I'm committed to Christ being formed in me. And what I don't have to do is prove to you that I'm perfect because I have no illusions that I am. And I have no illusions that I'm going to always get 10 out of 10. I have, do you hear me? I have no illusions that I'm going to have a perfect score. Ask the people that work with me. But I'll tell you what I do have a perfect score at, by the way. I am really good at loving people. And what that means is I will go back and I will clean up my mess. If you confront me, I will clean up my mess with you. Why? Because I don't have anything to prove. I don't have to prove to you 
that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus proved that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I love this quote, and we're going to, let's make this our own, right? You can relax. You have nothing to prove. Jesus did it all. You can relax. You got nothing to prove. We already know you're warped. Do you hear me? You, let me just tell you the good news again. The gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Breathe a sigh of relief. We know the emperor is not wearing any clothes. You are not fooling anyone if you are presenting yourself as a perfect specimen of Christ-likeness. Are you with me? Now, here's what you are. You are a son or a daughter, and you are a saint who sometimes sins, and you are invited to clean up your own mess. Amen? You're invited to be in process and to be, to be exchanging, and let me show you this, to be exchanging one thing for another thing. So, so the first part was just simply, you're invited to be in process. Did you guys get that? Are you relieved? Did you know that that was okay? How many of you knew it was going to take the entire time you're on the earth? A couple of you. Yeah, people that are over 40 are like, oh, I figured it out. <laughs> people under, 30, or under, under, under 40 are still like, ah, I'm going to check my Bible. <laughs> it is true, man. When the body starts going, the heart's much easier to teach. <laughs> Rebellion is for the young and zealous. <laughs> I'm just saying it takes a lot of energy to keep hitting your head against that rock. <laughs> I derailed myself. Okay, pray for me, Jason. All right, here we go. So there's a process that we're invited into, and the key thing that I want you to understand because you're here in this tribe is that we all are working with the expectation that the process of transformation Jesus is involved in and is taking your whole life. Now, what that does is it doesn't actually excuse sin. That's why I keep coming back to this quote. The gospel is telling you, we don't excuse sin. Until you're born again, you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared dream, that you ever dared to believe. That stuff that you've, been, that you've been rationalizing and those things that you're like, I, no, I couldn't be, I'm not, my, my habits aren't that horrible. They couldn't get that dark that quick. I couldn't end up all the way at the bottom of that hill if I get on that sin sled. Oh yeah, you could. And there's a hill beyond that hill and two more after that. All right, nobody here has any illusion that you could get down and dirty and you could do it quick. So we're not here to excuse sin. We're not here to say, oh, we're all just... Sinners saved by grace. No, 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 it's better news than that. We're saints. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we have the ability to sin, which is why we're going through a transformation process to say, okay, how do I exchange where I came from, the way that I used to think, and get something new, like what Jesus said? And because we're all working from these same scriptures, these same promises of Christ... And I'm going to actually take you through and we're going to talk about some exchange here. But because we're all working from that place, 
suddenly it becomes good news that I can have some people in my life who actually I share with them how warped my warp actually is. And that they're going to go, hey man, thank you for coming out of captivity. In fact, let's just go to that one right now. Um, Here we go. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So as I come and I begin to share, because that's the environment what we're in, I have a broken heart. I'm realizing that my lens that I see through is brokenheartedness. I may be saved by grace. I may be seated in Christ. But I feel pain in the depth of my person right now. And I don't know where it's coming from. And you have someone, you have hopefully a few someones, but you've got a couple someones that will say, well, why don't we just ask Holy Spirit right now to help you find out? Why Why don't we ask Holy Spirit and your soul to speak? And then you begin to realize, well, I won't fill in the blank, but you begin to realize because suddenly you're actually making room for your soul to speak. You see, because we come into the kingdom, no, I can't go that far with that. I'm gonna stay with this. All right, you guys are with me on this though, right? Suddenly you're actually making space for the fact that you're not, you haven't arrived. Like you know where you're going. I think that's what's so challenging for us. We know where we're going. We know what he's going to give us. We're like, well, he gives me beauty for ashes. And it's like, that is 100% true. But have you admitted your ashes yet? Are you, are you actually dealing with the ashes yet? No, 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 because he gave me beauty for ashes. No. He, yeah, he made beauty available, but you haven't come up with any ashes yet. You got them. You just pretend like you don't have them. Are you with me? And this is suddenly an invitation to say, I have to, I have to allow my soul to speak. I have to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to search me out to where I can say to another person, I don't know what the problem is, but I have to tell you, I'll use an example for me. We, I can begin to admit the warp of my own self, not sin nature, but warp, and I can go, oh shoot, I avoid certain meetings. I do. And I can go, that's interesting. I'm not returning this text. And then later I'll go, huh, that's interesting. I am not having that meeting that three different people on staff have said I really need to have. wonder what that's about. And I can begin to say, soul, what's going on? You know, what's going on? And if I dig down, then I begin to realize... Um, that, that actually, it says here, to proclaim liberty to the captives, I am captive to a fear of people leaving. I don't want to confront certain situations because I'm afraid that if I really be faithful to wound a friend, <laughs> that they're going to go, you know, the truth is, I don't really need this place anyway. And guys, I'm a pastor And it is much easier to be a pastor if people show up. (laughs) 
And so I have to deal with the reality of my own heart and face the fact that like, yeah, Lord, my faith is in you. And I know that you said that you build the church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But, but, but when it comes to certain kinds of confrontation, Lord, I don't want to do it. Not because for any other reason, but that I am held captive in that certain situation to a fear of man and a fear that if I make somebody mad, they're just going to leave. Now, I'll tell you the truth, guys. Did you know that a lot of people leave Christ Center all the time? I have no power over that. I have no control over that. But you know what history would say to me? You better play your cards right, because if it happened with these 10, what if it happens with these 200? You know what I mean? And the enemy's right there, and fear's right there. So this is not like something I made up. But in order for the Lord to give me liberty, I have to admit to him, oh, Lord, this isn't motivated by love right here. This is motivated by self-preservation, fear of confrontation, fear of rejection, fear of man. The Bible says fear of man brings a snare. I'm captive to these things, Lord. So then I share it with the Lord. And I also share it with Red and Jason and Janelle and my wife. And you know what they do? They tell me the truth. Do they lower it and go, well, well, we all sin. You know, we all have things. Don't worry about it. It's all good. No way. They invite me to make an exchange. They invite me to say, I think you need to confess that your mind is not transformed in this area. It needs to be renewed. And they pray with me and I make an exchange and I say, Lord, I am captive in this area. And I need you to give me liberty. And let me tell you something, guys. What's that word I used earlier? Process. It's not one and done. It's not one and done. The people in my life come back later and I have a few good healthy confrontation meetings and you know what? They go pretty good. And then some weeks go by and all of a sudden, Janelle's like, hey, uh, weren't you supposed to have this meeting? <laughs> and you know, here's the thing is that I've told on myself in this Isaiah 61 culture. So now they know which warp I'm working on. Those sweethearts. And now they have the right and the access to come to me and help me bear that. But here's the good news. I don't have anything to prove. Because I'm not here leading at Christ Center because I'm perfect. I'm here leading at Christ Center because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Because I'm in the process of being sanctified through the work of Jesus. And because I'm willing to admit that I'm in a process. And my job is not to do everything perfect. It's to be perfect, which means to love like Christ, which means what? Clean up my mess. Invite input from others who also are making these exchanges. And so then when I'm confronted, then I go, oh, I'm in, I'm, there it is. There's that warp. Okay, Lord, you're still working on it. I thought we were done. Looks like we're revisiting it. Looks like it's, it was a little more, right? The good news is, Lord, I was even more warped than I dared believe. And I thought when you made those huge adjustments that I was totally lined up now. But as it turns out, I was way more warped than I believed. It's not a three-week adjustment. Turns out this one's a seven-year adjustment. But thank God. 
that I'm surrounded by a culture that understands what we're doing. And so I don't have to prove to them I'm a good leader. I'm not here to prove I'm a perfect leader. I'm here to love perfectly. And so I will become a better leader as I do that. So here, here let me just read through here. You guys are seeing this, right? Is this making sense? And see, this is the culture that we're called to be. We are an Isaiah 61 culture. So you are called to this same thing. If you're following Christ, this is the process that we're in. And this is how we roll. And this is why when you get confronted, you can rejoice when somebody comes and says, hey, I want to ask you something, you know? You don't follow through. (laughs) Like, I've been on the receiving end of your promises and then not follow-throughs, and it's affecting me, and I want to talk to you about that, and I know that you want me to because we're all doing the scriptures together, and I think you want to make an exchange. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to go, oh my goodness, thank you for preaching the gospel to me and reminding me that I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. Thank you for reminding me that I am not here to prove to the world how spiritual and religious I can act on the outside while I'm dying on the inside and not admitting what's actually broken in me, not admitting what's warped and twisted and dark. Are you guys with me? So suddenly then it becomes good news to understand that I am flawed and being transformed. Suddenly, that scripture where it says, his strength is made perfect in my weakness sounds better than a weird platitude. Suddenly, I begin to go, I am invited to admit that I am broken, <laughs> that, I, that I have areas that still bother me after I'm 42. I've been, I, I prayed a prayer when I was five. I'm not even smart enough to know what that math is, but it's a lot of years. You guys should try to do math in front of people, by the way. It is terrifying. Like, even if you know the answer, you don't want to say it. It's just totally true. Anyway, the point is, I have things that I'm still working through. The Lord is transforming me by the renewing of my mind. There are areas that I wish I wasn't still easily pulled towards. Are you with me? I don't have any unconfessed sins. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about that if I don't continue to allow the people in my life to help me make this exchange over and over again as the Lord's transforming me, I will have some unconfessed sins. Which is why I'm inviting myself and others in and you to live these scriptures. And the reason why we see these things come out in our lives in the area of these secret sins that start happening and festering is if we don't understand this is a process. And we try to hide it and work it out on our own and then present our life later. No, no, no. If you can understand that this is a process, you'll begin to rejoice in letting your soul speak and say, I am actually mourning right now. Everybody else is praising Jesus. That is a lie for me right now. He is worthy of praise. I declare that. But pretending like I got that joy, joy, joy deep down in my heart is is doing violence to my soul right now. Because I'm not joy, joy, joy deep down in my heart. I am cry, cry, cry deep down in my heart. Where are you, O Lord? I'm in the Psalms of lament right now. I'm not in the Psalms of of declaration. Are you with me? And you're invited into that process here 
to make that exchange, but you can only make an exchange if you admit what's actually going on. And when you admit what's actually going on, you know what happens? You begin to make the exchange. That is also a process. It's not one and done. You do it over and over and over and over again like waves. And each one heals a little more. And each one changes the warp a little more. And God is pleased with you because he's forming Christ in you. So today as we look at this, I want you to take this and I want you to mull this over. I want you to go through Isaiah 61 and, and look into it each time. But are you brokenhearted? Then exchange it for healing. Are you captive? Then admit it to the Lord. Lord, I am captive. And you know what it is. I'm not going to list things. But you can begin to admit, I am captive. Oh God, I want to make an exchange unto liberty. Are you bound and in prison? He wants to open up your prison. And you have to, but you have to begin to say, wow, you know what? Actually, you know, I say I don't drink often, but when I really do the math, if I'm honest with my wife and just ask her, she might have a different number for you than the one you're telling yourself. Are you with me? And vice versa. It's, this is, I'm always making it about the guy because I'm a dude, but anyway. Um, so let's keep looking. Here's some other exchanges. Comforting those that mourn consolation for those that mourn. I love that there's more than one for mourning. Have you noticed a theme here, right? Beauty for ashes. Joy, again, for mourning. The garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. If you'll admit that you're weeping, joy will come much more quickly. Uncried tears become very bitter. And then we become trees of righteousness. Then we become these other things. But here's, here's what I want to tell you. You are becoming... And you are in process. You are now a tree of righteousness and you are becoming a tree of righteousness. Are you with me? So I invite you here in this tribe to rejoice for you were once a sinner but now you're a saint who sometimes sins. You are more flawed than you ever dared to believe but you are more loved and accepted than you ever imagined. Stop trying to prove anything to anyone. Most of all, yourself. Relax. Jesus already proved it all. So you can now begin to embrace the process of exchanging with him. And that's what we do at this tribe. And that's who you are in Christ. So I invite you to rejoice in it. And I invite you to demonstrate it and to invite others into it. And we'll continue to talk about this as the days go on. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you shalom. The prayer servant team is coming up and please don't leave without being blessed and encouraged and prayed for if that's what you need today.